0: amen. We can worship the Lord anywhere. If the disciples did it in the lowest prison, surely we can do it in our homes and no matter where we are. We're glad you're joining us, you're streaming with us. We're getting used to this, that we can study the Word of God and worship together in any setting. That's a true disciple, that's a follower of Christ. I want to tell you that a few weeks ago when I started this series on arrest, I had no idea that we would be in this situation. And it was really after a few weeks of studying this, I realized, you know, Lord, you're teaching your people, no matter what's going on in the world, to be a people at peace, to be a people at rest in any situation. So let's jump into the word of God and let's learn something new from his word. We started this series in Genesis chapter two, two and three. The first time we see the word rest, it's talking about God. In fact, it says it twice, once in verse two and once in verse three of Genesis two. It said God rested. Now, he wasn't tired. He wasn't exhausted. Rest means to inhale, to take breath. Because for six days, God has been creating, creating universes, creating worlds, creating everything we see around us. And on the seventh day, he rested, or he took breath and took inventory of everything. And we're going to study today Matthew chapter 11. So Genesis was the first time we see rest in the Old Testament, Matthew 11 is the first time we see rest in the New Testament, and it's coming out of the mouth of our Creator, just like it did in Genesis. It's a beautiful picture in Matthew 11, 28, and 29. Jesus says this, "'Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's a famous scripture. Many of you know it. But let's look at it closely. Let's pick it apart and really let's learn some things from God's word. And I tell you, as I've been thinking about rest and understanding it, um, I've been looking for places to have rest and relaxation, and through all this corona and everything going on, there's really been some funny and fun things that make us laugh and create rest. I was watching, I was looking at some of them this week, and I want to show you just a few, just for fun, just so we can stay connected as a family, because as a family, you need to laugh together. You play together, you work together, and you certainly need to laugh together. So this one made me laugh. This is the first one right here. before one week of quarantine, after one week of quarantine. (laughs) Let's look at another one. That's the social distance champion. Let's see what the runner-up is. And one last one that we can all relate to I am telling you, some Cajun somewhere in the swamp created that. So right here in Matthew 28, Jesus has just proclaimed that rest is found in him. Just like rest is in the person of God in Genesis, rest is found in him and him alone in Matthew. You see, we know rest is not found in the world because Jesus said in John 16 in this world, you'll have tribulation, but in him, you'll have rest. So let's learn three simple truths from these texts right here. And the first one is in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give rest to all that come to me. Now, I love that statement. The words of red, packed with power. Let me tell you why I love it. Because number one, this is what it speaks. Rest is a promised gift. Rest is a promised gift. Jesus doesn't suggest it. He doesn't allude to it. He doesn't, maybe it could be, it's a promise from the Father. He is the gift of rest. And he says, if you come to me, I promise you, you will have it. Now there's some beautiful things right here. It says, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden. Let me tell you about those two things in the Bible. Number one, labor in the Greek speaks of those burdens we put on ourselves. We all have labors. We choose jobs that have stresses, jobs that have responsibilities. We get married. That's a responsibility. We have kids. That's a big responsibility labor speaks of the burdens we put on ourselves. We choose these burdens. So he says, come to me when your life that you have chosen and the decisions you've made get too hard. And I'm going to give you rest in that. Not only does he give us rest for our lives as we've chosen to live holy lives in a wicked world. that's That's a burden sometimes. As we choose to serve, as we choose to forgive unforgivable people. He said, you're going to find rest for all of that. But then the next one says, heavy laden. That speaks of the burdens other people put on us. So he says, not only do I give you rest for your burdens that you put upon yourself, I'm going to give you rest for the burdens other people put upon you. I'll give you rest when the The grocery store aisles are empty. And those people who don't need 4,000 rolls of toilet paper, I'm still going to give you peace even in all of that. So God gives rest internally for what we choose and the decisions we make. And God also gives rest when the world or other people put burdens on us that is the promised gift. I will give you rest in yourself for your life, and I will give you rest no matter what the burden of the world is at the present time in history. That's what's a beautiful picture. Right now, the burden of the world is heavier than it was a few weeks ago. It's harder. Some of you may not be working. That is a burden that the boss put on you or the company put on you that you didn't have a few weeks ago. You had no idea that burden was going to happen. But God said, come to me and the burdens that the world has put on you, I'm going to give you rest for that. Now, that right there is the promised gift of God. And we can have peace and joy no matter what's going on in the world. I'm going to show you a Old Testament Bible picture of this, a beautiful picture of this in 1 Kings chapter 8. Verse 55 is what we're going to read, but let me tell you about this. So the Solomon is getting ready to dedicate the temple. He has spent years building. His son his father David got all the materials together, set all of this up, it would be it was prophesied that a temple would be built all of these things came together and right before the dedication of the temple Solomon is on his knees with his hands lifted up to heaven crying and thanking God praying to him and then he stands up and this is 1 kings 8:55 then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. Listen to that statement. He is proclaiming that from when Moses wrote the law to right now, God has given rest to his people, and not one promise has failed. why is that a big deal? Because when Moses gave the law, and when Solomon is speaking right now, over 400 years of history have happened already. 400 years, and Solomon, one of the wisest men, one of the greatest historians of all time, not just his time, stands up and says, not one promise of God has failed. He has given rest to his people. We started 400 years ago, and guess what? We are still here resting in the promised land. And in fact, if we look today in history, are God's people in his promised land still? Yes, they are. So we see this beautiful picture that rest is promised. It's a promised gift. Christians, When we come to Christ and we surrender our lives to him, we need to let him change our hearts and our minds, and we should not be a people that get worried when the the news says bad things. Because he's promised rest to us. He's promised rest for our lives now and whatever is going on in the world, all the burdens and heavy-laden things. He's promised it. So we trust and rest in his promises. What a beautiful picture that is. Let me tell you about Nicholas Riley. Nicholas Riley was a Christian leader in the English Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. And in 1555, because of the leadership and the fighting, the deep, horrible, bloody fighting that was between Catholicism and Protestantism, in 1555, Nicholas Riley was to be executed. He was to be, in fact, burned at the stake. Well, the night before his execution, he was in prison. And his brother came to visit him. His brother, doing everything he could do to comfort him and encourage him, even offered to sleep on the floor in the prison with Nicholas. (laughs) But Nicholas just smiled and looked at his brother and said, You don't need to stay here all night because this is my plan tonight. I will lay my head down and sleep in quiet as I ever did in my life. Because the God of peace I can rest in, in strength, in his everlasting arms, the Lord will meet me in all my needs. The next day, Nicholas was killed and met in glory with Jesus. You see, Nicholas understood something like we Christians understand. Rest was promised whether he was going to live another 50 years or die that next day, which he did in 1555. Rest was promised, and Nicholas rested in the gift that God had given him the day he was saved. So that is the gift that we have in our lives also. Not only is rest promised, let's keep looking at this in Matthew 11. That was verse 28. Look at verse 29 take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, let me tell you some things about the history of what's going on in the time right here. First of all, legend says, not in the Bible, legend says that Jesus actually was a yoke maker. He was a carpenter. We know that. And that he made yokes. And yokes back then were custom fit. So if they had a young animal, they would take a yoke and it was adjustable. You could move the straps up and down. It wasn't just one size fits all. It was a custom fit yoke. So they would take a young animal that was stubborn like a young mule or a horse or a cow or an ox and they would take the yoke and adjust it specifically so it could fit that animal. Then they would take an older, more mature animal that had plowed a long time and wasn't bucking or kicking or going all crazy and they would yoke those two together. And that older animal would plow the field, and that young animal would quickly learn, because they were yoked together, that he had to act right, that he couldn't jerk around and all that. And this is the picture Jesus says, take my yoke of omniscience, of complete love. Take my perfect righteousness upon you. Take my perfect holiness upon you and learn from me, and you're gonna have peace and rest. You don't have it in the world, you don't have it in yourself. In us is no good thing. But we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when we come under the blood of Jesus. And that way we're yoked with Him and we can walk in peace and rest. Now, what is a yoke? It's plain and simple. A yoke is an instrument of submission. It is specifically designed to teach an animal to be submitted to the master's will. To what the master has planned, the yoke makes us submit to it. That is the picture that Jesus painted for rest. Let me ask you a question. Are you submitted in your life? First of all, are you submitted to Jesus Christ, your Lord, your Savior? He is everything, and you submit to Him, and you submit to His Word. This this rules and reigns in your life. Hopefully, you said yes. If not, you can give your life to Jesus before we end this broadcast, and you can come under the yoke of Jesus. But there's another submission. There's also earthly submission. Are you submitted one to another, the Bible says, with your spouse? Are you submitted one to another with each other? So this is my, my second point. Submission brings greater rest. Now, you may have not thought about it like that, but think about an animal. I, I love horses. I've loved uh, livestock all my life. I grew up with horses, and a horse is an amazing animal. It's 1,000 pounds of solid muscle. You think about this horse that could, I mean, kick down a door with one foot easily. They strong. all of these things, these amazing animals. But when they're submitted and broken, that is when anyone can be around them. Let me tell you a story. Last year, I brought my kids to the police. Uh, They had a training session. The police had a training session. And what they were doing is they were showing all the the, um, police animals specifically the horses. They were showing police horses. So uh, we were at at downtown, and they had a couple of police horses, and it was amazing. They were taking these barrels and pushing them and knocking them over. They were running through these barricades and showing all what these horses could do. Now, these were huge horses, not some little uh, 14-hand quarter horse. These were huge Morgan-style, almost Clydesdale-looking horses. And when the police officer sat on the horse, he's like 10 feet tall. So they did all these demonstrations. There's like 50 kids there and several adults. And to my surprise, the police officer, once they ended the demonstration, said, kids, I want you all to come around and you can touch the horse and hang around the horse. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I know horses. Even a horse that would accidentally step on someone's foot, you could break their foot. My kids jumped off and took off running toward that horse, and I'm running right after them. And all the kids just crowd all around them. They're petting the horse. They're pulling on its mane. They're doing circles around the horse, even though you're not supposed to walk on the backside of a horse. This horse never moved. Calm and collected, yelling kids, screaming this and that. Then they get distracted, and they're looking all over. They're hitting the ground. And this calm police horse just sat there in full Submission. It was no less powerful. It had all its ability still, but even the smallest child was safe around a fully submitted horse. All of my children were, and I got a bunch of them. It's amazing when you think about this picture that it is submission that will bring rest and calm. If you're struggling in your home, as you have been there a lot the last few weeks, Maybe you feel like you just want to get out. Get out, get some fresh air, do what you need to do. But I want to encourage you. Let God teach you submission, even to governing authority. Look, I I didn't like not having church. We were a small church. I thought maybe we don't have to cancel. But I decided that we needed to, to submit to the governing authority because God is in control. He's the sovereign Lord of the universe, and I'm going to have rest submitting to him. So I encourage you, let submission grow in your life and rest will grow also. This is what Jeremiah 6.16 says. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. And ask for the old paths where where the good way is and walk in it. So if you walk in this submitted rest, look what it says when it finishes. Then you will find rest for your souls. That is a beautiful picture. Walk in the path of submission. Walk in the old way and your rest will increase in your home, in your heart, in your life, in your marriage. This is why this is so important. Parents, let me ask you a question. Can you give to your children what you do not have? No. I cannot give my children rest if I don't have it. And I will not have it without submission. So take my yoke. Jesus is saying, learn submission and rest will increase in your life. I'm going to tell you, in times like this, when everyone gets all antsy and upset when the you know all these stresses are going on, this is when our faith in Jesus Christ distinguishes us from the rest of the world. We don't talk like them, we don't act like them. and maybe sometimes it's hard for the world to tell a difference. But right now, when we're at rest in peace, the world will go, "Whoa, they have something I do not have." That is what Jesus is saying right here in Matthew 11 when he's saying, take my yoke upon you. And he finishes verse 29 by saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. That's a statement of discipleship. That's a statement of ongoing teaching. Not a one-time event, but a lifestyle. Christianity is not an event It is a lifestyle we live based on the work of Jesus Christ in the cross. It is a lifestyle of discipleship. Let me ask you a question. This week, have you prayed? Have you read your Bible? Have you spent time with the Lord? Have you spent time in Christian fellowship the best you could, texting, online, doing right now? Have you spent time in good works? Those are all discipleship actions, and you'll know know that you're learning from him. We are to be disciples who learn from Jesus throughout our life. And that's what he's saying. Take my yoke of submission on you and walk with me until you breathe your last breath. Learning and submission and discipleship are much harder in our independent culture. But we have a biblical culture that supersedes everything else. And God wants to teach us that. That's how we're growing in the Lord. Let me tell you a story. There was a young woman who was getting ready to do a college entry. Uh, And so she filled out her application, and there was a question at the end that really bothered her. And the question at the end of the college application was this Are you a leader? She was very honest and very conscientious, and she struggled greatly with the question. She thought about it, and she thought about it, but afraid to lie, she wrote on the application no and sent it off. She thought the worst. I'm not going to get into the school. This isn't going to happen. They're not going to let me in, and a few weeks later, she got a letter, and this is what the letter said from the college. Dear applicant, a study of the application forms reveal that this year our college will have 1452 new leaders. We are accepting your application because we feel it is imperative that we have at least one follower. <laughs> you see she decided she would be a learner, a disciple that we always think about leadership, leadership, and that is important, but we are followers, followers. We are learners, learners. We are submitted, submitted. And we say, Lord, I'll follow and I'll learn whatever you want me to learn. And I don't care if it's 101 or it's an advanced class. I don't care what you want to teach me. Just lead me and teach me. Here I am. I'm yours. And I want to encourage you, rest will come in a greater way when you decide to be a follower and not just saying, I can lead. I was reading this text and as we close, a scripture jumped out at me in the few verses before. But let me set this up. So John the Baptist is in prison. Jesus' ministry has grown and is at its pinnacle. Many miracles have been done right here in Matthew 11. And for several verses, right before we read what we read about rest, Jesus is throwing out woes and rebukes hardcore, woe to you, uh, different cities, woe to you, Cyrus and, and Sodom, woe to you, uh, Sidon, because you had not, uh, I preached many miracles, and you did not believe, and you did not believe, so he does all these rebukes, and he, he names specific cities, and he likens them to Sodom and Gomorrah, and I thought, wow, why is he so hard on these people, and then he goes in to come to me, and you'll have rest. The key is found and this leaped off of the page at me in Matthew 11:20. Just a few verses before our text we've been studying today and let's read it. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. Why the hard rebukes? Why the difficulty? Why was he so hard on these people, this God of love? There is only one time this God of love and mercy brings judgment. Because they did not, what is that last word? Repent. You know, I thought about this and I looked at it and I thought, you know, your rest is promised, Lord. It's promised when we submit and when we become disciples. What would keep us from the rest of God? What would keep us from enjoying the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the liberty of Christ in any situation, no matter what's going on in the storm? What would keep us from taking your yoke that is light? What would keep us from unloading our burdens, heavy laden, and the things that people put on us? There's only one thing that keeps us from the rest of God, and that is a lack of repentance. We are Christians, therefore we're repentive people by nature. Christians are by nature repentive. So as we end this virtual service, we're just going to pray. And we're going to repent because woe to them who do not repent. We're going to repent. We're repentive people. It's not awkward for us to repent. It's what we do all the time. If you read the book of Psalms, David was always repenting. In fact, he was repenting in song form. He would sing a song about repentance. Oh, Lord, he would say, Lord, search me and know me. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me to the path of righteousness because I'm going to repent. I'm a repentive person. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. So I want to encourage you to be a repentive person and you will find the rest of God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we come to you thanking you that your gift of rest is promised. Come to me and I will give rest. You're not a man that you should lie. It's promised. We thank you, Lord, and we proclaim submission. We, we do it in our home in our marriages, individually, toward you, toward others. We submit, God, and we thank you that we're going to be learners, disciples, long-term. We want to learn from you. And all this is built on the foundation. The gate is open to us when we repent. The gate opens up. All of this is available when we're repentant people. So, Lord, right now we just repent. Lord, if we've been too busy in our lives, we realize it. That that's why we can't stay at home. Lord, if our schedule's not what you want it to be, forgive us. If we're too cluttered and too busy, God, forgive us. We want to simplify and move that away. Lord, as a nation, we know we have many sins. God, we know we have many sins as a nation. Lord, the sin of entertainment. Lord, the blood of the innocent on our hands. God, forgive us as a nation. We humble ourselves as a nation, as Chronicles says. We seek your face and we pray, God. We turn from our wicked ways, God. Oh, heal our land. We are repentive people. Let it never be said, Lord, that we, your church, your people, are not repentive. We are repentive, God. You're holy, we are not. Lord, we repent of our busyness, of our sin, of of any idol that we had in our life that maybe you're revealing to us through these last few weeks and you'll continue to reveal. Now, Lord, we thank you that we said if we would confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, thank you that this event in America and around the world all persecution causes purification all squeezing lord causes you to clean us and show us what's going on in our life so i thank you that this virus is bad it's a fallen it's from this fallen world but lord you have redeemed us we thank you that you can use even this fallen thing this virus for your good teach us lord and purify us in the name above all names And as we end in worship today, repentive, joyous worship, we thank you, God, that you're teaching us rest. You're teaching us to be the people of God who are submitted and at rest in peace in this world of restlessness. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, as they worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
1: Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. is the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you
0: disconnected from you, nor disconnected from the body of Christ. We thank you that supernaturally, by the Spirit of God, we are one. And I thank you, rest is filling every home, filling every mind, filling every heart. God, teach us rest so we can impart it to the next generation. For surely the next generation must have a greater rest than we have. They must have a greater peace than we have. And they will be able to combat and deal with anything that's going on in the world. Lord, let us impart rest right now and to future generations we thank you for it we take your yoke upon us Lord we want to learn from you Lord we submit to you Jesus and we thank you God that truly the rest of God the divine supernatural power of God is coming upon us and staying resting on us in Jesus name we pray and everyone said come on amen now praise him in your house thank him right where you are thank him right where you are right where you are We love you, comment, post, have a blessed day.